getting in your own head about thought-provoking topics? Read along with a stress-free book club that fits into a busy lifestyle. From out of the pages to real life, explore the fine line between fiction and nonfiction as we pull from bestsellers that will change your life. Tune in to our bi-weekly book club of mind-bending and empowering stories hosted by Nova Lorraine, founder of Rain Magazine, and her two co-hosts, Toby Santagato and Barbara Donato. Welcome to another episode of Two Stays Book Club, where we bring you transformational and sometimes controversial best-selling books that will change your life. I'm Noble Rain, and I'm here with my lovely co-hosts, Toby Santagato and Barbara Donato. Hi, ladies. Hello. Hi. Yeah, I am so excited to be talking about this book today, The House of Gucci. Before we get into that, though, I'm going to share with our listeners the next two books on our list. And for those of us that are joining for the first time, we release a new episode every other week. And so that gives you a couple of weeks to catch up or grab your book, maybe audio, imprint, whatever, however suits you, and read the book so you can join along with us. We would love to hear your comments. We would love to get your suggestions on the next book that we should read. So go to Pink Kangaroo, that's Pink Kangaroo with a U, dot com, and email us, send us an email, and tell us what books you want us to put on the list. Remember, we're looking for transformational and controversial books that will change anyone's life. So we're looking forward to hearing from you. But in the meantime, our next two books, get out your pen, your smartphone, whatever you got, are Boundaries for Leaders, and that's by Henry Cloud, and The Joy Luck Club by Amy Tan. Okay, guys? Boundaries for Leaders by Henry Cloud, The Joy Luck Club by Amy Tan. So go get those books. Start reading, start prepping so you can follow along with us. And then now we're going to get to today's book, The House of Gucci. So what do you guys think? Oh, wait, wait, yeah, wait, wait, wait. I think we want the summary so everybody can be on the same page. <laughs> do you want to do the summary? <laughs> okay, Miss Toby, let's, we're going to go by the rules. So before we get into... <laughs> Nova's a rule breaker, but... And didn't like about the book. <laughs> Let's see what the publisher has to say about House of Gucci. So this is the summary from our publisher. The sensational true story of murder, madness, glamour, and greed that shook the Gucci dynasty. On March 27, 1995, Maurizio Gucci, heir to the fabulous fashion dynasty, was slain by an unknown gunman as he approached his Milan office. In 1998, his ex-wife, Patricia Reggiani Martinelli, nicknamed the Black Widow by the press, was sentenced to 29 years in prison for arranging his murder. Did Patricia murder her ex-husband because his spending was wildly out of control? Did she do it because her glamorous ex was preparing to marry his mistress, Paola Franchi? Or is there a possibility she didn't do it at all? The Gucci story is one of glitz, glamour, intrigue, the rise, near fall, and subsequent resurgence of a fashion dynasty. Beautifully written, impeccably researched, and widely acclaimed, The House of Gucci will captivate readers with its page-turning account of high fashion, high finance, and heart-rendering personal tragedy. I feel better. <laughs> <laughs> And I have to say, the author for this is Sarah Gay Forden. So I, I do want to credit the author. And it's described as a sensational story of murder, madness, glamour, and greed. All right. So now, now that we've uh, covered the summary from our publisher, what do you guys think? I will say, when I started the book, I did not expect it to end <laughs> the way that it did. Yeah. I honestly was just like, this is a book of someone, and I hope I don't show up his name, Gucci or Gucci, who like really just wanted to make a name for himself. And he wanted to create generational wealth for his family. And he worked really hard to do that. And you could see that, you know, when he first 
was like, oh, this is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to, this is, I want to make something that is going to stand out. I want to make something that's going to last. And I want to make something that my family can be a part of. He um, saw what it was like for his parents to kind of struggle when they did what they were doing. forgot what they were manufacturing, but Strong he hat. himself, hat, there you go. Mm-hmm. And he said, no, that's not going to be me. I'm going to create a business model where, you know, matter what, we're going to thrive. And I'm also going to make sure that my children are there with me and they thrive as well. So to see where he was at and to see where he ended when he, when he passed mm-hmm. was amazing. And it was a feat of will. Okay. So I definitely was excited about it. Okay. I'll just end there for now. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Barbara gives it the green check. How about you, Toby? I thought it was so good. And what was interesting is a lot of times I would have it out loud if I was driving with my husband. So he would catch quite a bit of it. And he was really interested. He would talk to me after about it. And there was actually a quote in there that he became obsessed with my husband. It's the, it came from Gucci. Quality is remembered long after price is forgotten. That's and right. And honestly, mm. and that was their mantra. That now when we go to buy things that sometimes we, we feel like are a little pricey, that's our barometer. Like, is this something that's going to mean something? long after the sting of the price. And it happened, it happens to be very true for us. There's things that we've spent more money than we've wanted to, but we've gotten way longer use out of it. And so that, and that came from Gucci, just pretty mm. cool. Yeah. I love that. I love that quote. And mm-hmm. <laughs> I have to agree when I was listening to it, cause I did the audiobook, And as you both know, I actually bought the book over 15 years ago. and started reading it, never finished it. The kids were really little at the time and I was doing, I had my store and all of this. And so it was just little time to finish that book at the time. And when I got wind that the movie was coming out, I was like, oh, I have the book. I have to find it. So I (laughs) went through my many bookshelves and I found the book and I was like, oh, we have to read this. We have to read this. And I'm so happy that I did. And to Barbara's point, I too did not know how it was going to end. I went into it without any expectations and I didn't read like the subtitle or the tagline for the book or anything. I just said, oh, this is a book about, you know, the Gucci brand and the Gucci family. And that was it. And it really surprised me how it opened up, which we're going to go into. And I was a little sad when it ended. (laughs) And not because of the circ, but yes, due to the circumstances and the end of the book. But also, I really felt that the author was taking us on this journey through history. But not only that, we were learning so much about business, so much about family relationships, so much about negotiations and all of these brands that been around us or in our lives and getting that sneak peek behind the scenes inside information. I mean, that's what I felt like. It was like I was backstage. I was in the office. I was at the board meetings and it was a great ride. So I absolutely give it, I give the book two thumbs up. Oh yeah. I just, I loved it. I I loved how, like you said, Nova, like to, to see how, how are we going to make ourselves stand out? The scarf, how they were able to get that scarf to Oh my goodness, Grace Kelly was it was. Mm-hmm. And it was just just the different ways that the older brother Aldo was like, we are gonna push to make ourselves worldwide. You know what I think was interesting too, because I own my own nonprofit, Magnolo, and it's with my family. So the challenges for me personally, I was able to relate to that patriarch and their vision, right? And how challenging it is. Because it really was on the back of the original person, right? That person put all the effort forth. And then as generations go forward, and when I'm not here any longer, if Mignolo is still here, what would that be like? Would it match the vision of the initial impetus? Would it get watered down? Would it it improve? Would it improve? And so as a very two years of going into our third year of a company, as a, we have a family owned company. The other day I would, 
called my daughter and I said, you know what? My feelings are hurt. So here's an, <laughs> I said, you and I were in a meeting and you were bragging about someone else and you never brag about me. And she goes, but it's a family business. So it was expected what I do. And I said, yeah. I said, you know what? And so here, just like with Gucci, like it's so hard as a family to run a business because everybody feels like they're doing more than the other person. Even if you love each other, even if you're wanting the same thing as far as a successful business, it is very hard to run a business as a family. That's a really good point. And what I forgot to mention earlier is when I would have the audiobook on, my husband too is very interested and listening. And we would have conversations around the story because we also are building a family business. And as an entrepreneur and having run several, launched and run several brands, I can see from afar the issues that could come up if my children and my husband, if we're not able to be in sync with our expectations and with our roles that we're playing, what we're contributing and how important communication is. And so this book is also highly recommended for anyone that's in a family business thinking about starting a family business. And one of the quotes that that stuck with me as well, and there's a lot of really great ones in the book, is that the original family member, that first generation launches a business. The second generation, I believe it says grows the business. And then the third generation sells the business. Right. Right. Like, right. It's it something like that. And I was just like, yeah. whoa. <laughs> It's heart-wrenching to me when, when it was going to move from the family, mm -hmm. it was, they were losing the business basically because of decisions to me as a person that's starting a business and God, that's sad. And we always talk about aesthetics. That's the big word for my daughters who are the artistic directors. They're always like, pass the match or aesthetics, pass the match or aesthetics. And I'm like, okay, fast forward. Well, is it going to? And the more you, there's a push pull, the more you you dole out other people doing work because you can't manage it anymore, the more your vision may get compromised. And that's kind of what happened yeah. yes. in this story. They were telling, so Aldo, so if we go through the, the book, you know, we have the original person, Ugo, it, I don't know, U-G-O, I don't know how to pronounce him. He makes a decision, I, you know, just like I do. I raise my kids very different than my parents raised me because it's, I want to do it better. So he makes a decision to make a business that's based on quality and he won't sacrifice it. And, and it's successful. And then his son, Aldo, really makes it a business. He grows it. In, and while his father's still alive, he, there's a push-pull, but he, he eventually is very forceful. He gets it to be a worldwide company. And he holds on to really the quality. So he's kind yes. of in that situation. And then his brother, I think, Rodolfo, is that his brother? Aldo is one of the... Yeah, Rodolfo was one of the youngest. Yeah, the youngest yeah. brother, yeah. Yeah, and he's, you know, part of the business too, and they definitely have push-pull, but Aldo's just such a powerful person. He holds that, what needs to be done in his mind. And I, I didn't have a problem with Aldo pushing it. I thought it was fine. He was keeping the vision. But then when really the whole story is about Maurizio in the end and his the, him taking over, I think what happened is Rodolfo kind of would make his son feel he was very controlling over his son. And eventually Maurizio wants to show his dad, it's always proving your parents wrong or right, you know, or making them proud. And so he goes after Gucci in a way that isn't perfect. And right. we could talk about that. And so I think it's interesting from a family perspective, how each person has different baggage. <laughs> I agree with you. I agree with you on that, Toby. And I just kind of felt like business-wise, I, I loved that Aldo was able to expand on his father, on Guccio's mm -hmm. vision. Guccio wanted the quality, but I think Aldo had the business acumen to go, dad, this is where we're going to go to reach the, the goals that you want for our family. Right. My issue though, <laughs> is there was a couple of things that Guccio did that I was like, this is not going to fare well on the business end of it. Pitting the brothers against each other was quote unquote for competitive spirit and to get their competitive juices going. I just kind of felt like that wasn't a way. I, I think what I would have done had it been him 
was I would have looked at their strengths because he also tried to force. Rodolfo didn't really want to get into the business. You know, he wanted to be an actor. And I think he could have said, okay, this is what you're strong with. This is what you're strong with. And he could have used their strengths in certain areas of the business, which is what I don't see him doing. And I think it became cyclical because I think Aldo, even though he did have that trust for his sons, he wasn't really about it when it came to Rodolfo and and his nephew. You know what I'm saying? And and another thing that I didn't appreciate was that they their sister was completely locked out of it. And, and they let it happen. Even after the dad passed away, from what I gathered in the book, her and her husband were instrumental in the growth of the family business. And once he passed away, she was completely, yeah, you know, horrible. walled out of it. And I think, to me, I was like, ooh, karma's going to get them. <laughs> I just remember reading that and going, they're going to get some karma out of this. Yeah, I mean, I think that, I mean, it's hard because we're judging that moment in today's society that would never exist. And it was different time then. So devil's advocate, it would probably seemed less out of the ordinary. Just like my mom said when when she divorced my dad and he got the custody of the kids and she allowed that to happen, that was like, everyone was like, you don't have your kids. So now that would be like, okay, the father got the kids. It was a better fit. You follow what I'm saying? Like it's a different yeah. time back then. Yeah. But with that said, there's- but even her husband who I, like, I think he had lent the money when they were hurting at one point. But what I was going to say is even so, if they were extraordinary people, there's been many families that broke tradition and would have given her her fair share. That was definitely messed up. It just was less abnormal, but still messed up. Yeah, I, yeah, I agree. At that time, it was. I mean, we're looking at what the the mid night was it nineteen fifties or whatever. I would say that one of the things where that played to their advantage, not so much having his own daughter out of the business, which was like, whoa, really, dude? He didn't want any spouses in the business, mm. and. If you remember, it was Guccio, Gucci, his three sons, you know, the three surviving sons, because one passed, and then his daughter. And he left the business to his three sons, but he said to the sons, the wives were not allowed to be a part of the business. And I think in his mind, he saw generation after generation, whatever he knew at that time, for the business to last and for it to be as clean as possible, we're going to have you know, our heirs be the ones that are running the business with the best interest of the business. Because if you're bringing in spouses and there's a divorce, then that can fracture the business. So that was a really interesting philosophy that I had never heard of before. And then when I was sort of stepping out of a more, let's say, judgmental lens, I was like, okay, that's a strategy. It actually makes sense because when they brought in spouses, it did get messed up. Yeah, very true. Very true. That's, it seems so harsh because your spouse is a family member. Like my husband's my family. So yeah, but unfortunately the to death do us part is not a thing. So right. there is divorce. And so divorce definitely is, it's a factor. So because interesting though, back to the Ugo or Yugo, who, the original person that started Gucci. The, Guccio. He really was wise in certain ways. If you think about it, because about quality, about keeping it just with your family. Like how did, there was no divorce really back then. So yet he had the fortitude to know that he wanted it to stay succinct with the lineage of the family, which is crazy. Cause that means he was like wise beyond the times. Yeah, I would agree to that. And also as we learned how they structured the business and they put assets into the name of the business again, to prevent marital issues, which a lot of them had <laughs> a lot being what would pull the wealth away from the family. So if the business owned the assets, no matter if the marriages failed or succeeded, that the wealth of the family would stay with the family. And again, it was just something I hadn't heard of as it related to a strategy within the business. We're being very intentional. Right. The homes that we live in aren't owned by the individuals that are living in the homes. They're owned by the business. So everything was owned right. by the business. And then they had a few personal properties here and there, but the majority of their 
their wealth was under the business name. I just thought that was really interesting as well. It really is. And you know what? Now that I think about it, now that you guys brought this other view to me, with the daughter being married at that time, wouldn't everything go to the husband if there was any issues? Mm, That's a really interesting point. Yeah. So I guess it definitely made me change my mind now that I think about it, where he would come from in a business standpoint and trying to keep everything within the family. That would make sense to not want the daughter to be a part of it. I think that they did give her money, not enough. They did. Yeah. So it wasn't like they didn't provide for her. She got a house, a farm, money. Yeah. yeah. So it's a different time period too, but I definitely see the the business philosophy behind it. And look, now that we have, we can look back and know what happened, maybe not a bad idea. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's, yeah, let's look at that. So we had the three brothers, right? Right. And the dad passes away. They've opened the New York store. They're expanding into these other cities and countries. And then one brother passes away. So now you have two brothers, 50% ownership. And they have children that are now old enough to be a part of the business. And then we see what happened when the balance, when that control came out of balance. And where, as Barbara had mentioned, a, a spouse got very involved in the business, which was Mauricio, the grandson of Guccio's youngest son, Rodolfo, was brought into the business. And so when we when we're talking about these strategies and we're like, oh, is it good? Is it not? Do we agree or do we not? We see what happens both within the family when even though it was just the men inheriting it and none of the spouses or women, when that came out of balance, we saw issues. When spouses came in, we saw issues. When outside family, non-related family were a part of the business, we saw issues. And eventually we just started seeing this erosion of this dynasty is what, you know, the publisher calls it, the author calls it, erosion of this dynasty as they move further and further away from Guccio's original ideals. So it was just, just fascinating and sad to see us to see that unravel. Yeah. And it's funny or not funny, but even like Rodolfo, when Maurizio meets Patricia, he doesn't like her, the father. He senses Mm. something's off. Oh, yeah. That sixth sense was there. From the beginning. From the very beginning. That's right. She comes from an unethical background. And that, what is that? The apple doesn't yeah. fall far from the tree. So, and he was worried. So interesting. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good point. He was adamantly against his son, Mary. Oh, yeah. But they broke up. Point where he was, he disowned him. He did. He, yeah. He disowned him. He literally cut him off. This 20 something year old student, law student who decided to follow his heart, he was like, you know what? I'm going to cut you off. I'd rather walk away from you than see you go down the wrong path. That was harsh. I remember being so mad and like, how could you do that? And he, he didn't go to the wedding and then you love your kids. So he, he finally towards, I guess, the latter part of his life, what, a couple years after they got married said, fine, I give in. But our, as a parent, we do have wisdom. That's right. We can see. We can see things that people can't see. Yeah, that's true. I think he was so drastic about it. You know what I mean? Like maybe if he'd approached his son in a different way. But remember, Guccio was very drastic. Yeah, he was. I agree with that though, Nova, because I think that, yeah, and that's the lesson maybe, and we're talking mainly about business, but about family is if you're too aggressive and too drastic, it backfires. I'll never forget when I was getting serious with my husband, my mom was great. She didn't tell me or my dad not to marry Robert. She just said, relationships are hard and you aren't the same religion. And so I'm not telling you not to marry him because you're not the same because I'm Jewish and Robert eventually converted. And that's a whole story, but I'm not telling you not to, I'm just saying it's another thing that make things challenging at times. And maybe if they were more aggressive you know, I did end up marrying him, but it was just the right approach. Like if you go to somebody and say, I'm really concerned. And you, I think kids do listen, even when they, they act like they don't, they need a process. But if you're mm-hmm. aggressive, they're just going to do it. They're going to be like, you don't tell me what to do kind of thing. So I think you're right, Barbara. They were, he was too aggressive. He wasn't loving and like, he was so scared. Yeah. And yeah, now we know he was right. But maybe Barbara, if he was just a little bit more like, kind about it, he might have not married her. I agree. I think that he probably would have still married her. I mean, based on, 
that was his first real love, right? Mm -hmm. And Patricia was very experienced and (laughs) very seductive and charming. And she introduced, he was like, he was seduced. He was just enamored. Yeah, I don't think, even if his dad did it in a nice way, he was still marrying Patricia. Like that was his love and he didn't see anything else. Even his friends were like, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> where? Every waking moment, all of the money that he would get from his chauffeur, remember the driver would have to give yeah. him money because his dad wouldn't give him money. Well, that was the sweetest relationship. Yeah, and so I think he was in love. I think it was his first love and there was no talking him out of that. But Rodolfo, obviously all the boys, took after their dad. And even there was a example with how Aldo had raised his sons and Paolo, who I believe was the youngest son who gave the family the most grief. Yeah. Yes. Okay. So again, we're looking at generation number three. We have the dad, Guccio. We have his three sons and the, old, the oldest of his first natural born son is Aldo. Aldo has three sons and the youngest is Paolo. Paolo did something as a what, 14 year old that he didn't agree with and he gave away his dog. <laughs> yeah, yeah, just so, my goodness. He gave yeah. away his dog. So he comes back home and his dog is gone. That is, talk about harsh. So, yeah, fruit not falling far from the tree. So, those men, those boys were raised in a certain way and they passed it on. So, that was all Rudolfo knew. I feel. And right, he didn't know any better. And how to deal with situations. Mm-hmm. And we're not that again, back to that generation. I mean, we're way more like searching. I think there's good about today's society and bad about today's society versus the past. But I think that we tend to have a lot more like therapy and self-help and shows that talk about feelings and the ability to not do that as much, you know, look at what we came from and take the good and discard the bad. And and I think we're machinery. We may be those certain people over and over again, but we're able to then stop ourselves and say like, wait a minute, maybe that's not a a good path where these guys, they didn't have that. They were just. Yeah. And you know what? I think Maurizio, I think he started to see what his father was talking about. And Patricia, you mean? And Patricia, yes, when he was going through, because she's very ambitious. Oh, yeah. She was very like, I want to be part of the company. I want to put my foot in this. And I think he was beginning to, when he was going through his own issues, and here he is going through, like, he's fighting with his cousins, fighting with his uncle, and she's just spending, spending, spending. Yeah. Not to say that he wasn't extravagant himself, but the fact that he's sitting in the, And she's just kind of like inserting herself into situations that he was not about. Like, this is not for you. This is, and I think that also comes from his upbringing. Like, what are you doing? This is not your place. And she just was trying to insert herself so much. And I think that that also brought, if not the a hundred percent, the reason why it just brought the demise of their marriage. Yeah, she definitely loved the life, the glamour Mm -hmm. and the attention and the luxury. And if we remember as a young girl being the love child of an affair, her father just showered her with over the top items as a teenager where to the point where her teenage friends were looking at her like, you're trying too hard. Why are you wearing a fur coat to school or something like that? Yeah. And so she and her mom did not come from a a wealthy background or notable background. And the father wanted the daughter to feel a part of this lifestyle. So kind of took it to the next level. And, and she carried that through her life with Maurizio. She wanted to be showered with the best and she wanted to be seen and heard. And, and she really loved that lifestyle. And I feel that when she felt that that was the threat of losing it, the threat of losing the status, the money, um, at least at the level she was used to, having less than what she had been accustomed to, being no longer associated with this family, this notable family. Mm-hmm. He wanted her name, like he didn't. He didn't even want her to have the Gucci name. And and I, I think about like when his daughter was, her birthday was coming up, and he gave her a parameters. Okay, this is the amount of money, you know the. I'm giving this to you, hoping that she would be good with the money. Right. And her mother gets a hold of it. And there's, what is it? A nose job, a breast, 
a breath job and he looks at the finances, $27,000 is unaccounted for. Like, yeah. And it's, and she doesn't even know what to say because she's like, was mom help me, you know? <laughs> yeah. Mom helped me with the festivities. And he's mom. like, well, where does $27,000 go? And she's like, right. I don't know. Ask I, mom, you know? I think it's also at that point she was trying to get him back. So, I mean, I think she was extravagant, but if I'm going to play devil's advocate, he kind of, in the beginning, when he was in love with her, he did make her important and he did make her get involved and he brought her into the fold. Imagine being that person where you are important and he's respecting your opinion and all of a sudden you're like, bye, I don't want your opinion anymore. And just because he made that decision, it was very harsh the way he treated her. And she was devastated because she was important to him and then she stopped being important. He had a shift and he cut her out. And that was devastating. And for me, like if someone, if is my life and I love them and I'm important. I mean, when he first was with her, everything she said was important. And all of a sudden it's not important. And I think it was because he was trying to bridge the gap between him and his dad was dying and he wanted to make sure his dad knew he loved him. And he was trying to like, oh, I got to be a good son. And my dad doesn't want, my dad wants me to be in charge and not her in charge. So like he was so split between all these different values. And Honestly, he should have kept her as a priority. His dad was his dad and you cleave to your spouse. And if he would have kept her important, maybe nothing would have happened. Like, I wonder if he could have done it differently because like when you think about the men in this family who had their <laughs> outside and dalliances, right. their, even their wives were quiet. Like you didn't hear about them in the business set. Right. On the business end, they were... You didn't hear about the side pieces. Oh, what a crafty way. Well, what a terrible way. <laughs> but you didn't hear about them in on the business side. They found a way to make these women the center of their world without these women being in that part of their world. I agree. I also want to interject. I think that going back to Maurizio Rodolfo's only child, right? he lost his mother at a young age. And Rodolfo threw himself into his work because it was a true, Rodolfo loved his wife and never oh, yeah. found in anyone to replace the love that he had for his wife and was devastated no. and went into his own depression. And yeah, he became overprotective of Mauricio and didn't really show him that motherly, tender love that a child would be yearning for at that age. And so I feel that what Mauricio had seen in Patricia in his early 20s was that that longing he probably had that he didn't have that motherly sort of protection and attention and nurturing because she was very attentive and she was very nurturing to him. And I feel that as he grew, it was an arc that he had. He was becoming more independent, more confident. He right. wanted to make his own decisions. He wanted her to respect his decisions. And we saw, at least through the eyes of the author, that she didn't think much of him, that she didn't really value his thoughts and opinions. And, mm -hmm. and everything was fine as long as he followed what she had to say. But when he started to exert himself and his own thoughts and his own opinions, and it wasn't like she was patting him on the back saying, yes, you're an amazing person for the, any authentic reason. It was, you're amazing because you're listening to me and my ideas. And without me and my, my ideas, you would be nothing. And he was arcing. And I don't agree with how he separated from her. But with, I think everyone has that arc in their life when they realize, you know, what they want to change and how they can be better. And he felt that without her, he could be better. And we saw how genuinely happy he was when he was no longer in the business, when he, he was. was in this relationship, he was working on boats and yachts and all that love and energy he poured into that yacht. Like that was his thing. And he was on top of the world. And then his life was taken. And so to be at a point of obsession with whatever, she was obviously obsessed with him with all the things that she was doing after he left her in terms of <laughs> all the, uh, like trying to poison him and this and that and whatever, following him and tracking everything he did and all the relationships he had. And so she was obsessed with him to the point where it was a little psychotic. Okay. And then took it to that level of revenge as it related to murder. I mean, it's definitely a tragic story because it didn't have to be that way. And I think, I guess the, the lesson there is if you don't leave people touch, moved and inspired in your marriage and in your relationships, 
they eventually leave. That's right. We talked about this. I was talking to a friend the other day, like when you want people to build you up when you're making decisions, not tear you down. So when he was making those decisions, she didn't even touch movement inspired. She just kept ripping at him Mm. at everything that he tried to do. We can always be a critic, but we sometimes we just need someone to blindly support us because I often Mm -hmm. wonder if someone is leaving me touch moved and inspired in my life and Mm -hmm. in the things that I'm trying to do, how much more successful would I be? I mean, Mm -hmm. it's not someone else's fault if I'm not successful, right? That's Mm -hmm. up to me. But Mm -hmm. if someone is there while I'm doing it, would I even be more successful? I think so. I think so. If she was out there, maybe they would be together. Maybe he'd be alive. Or maybe they would just be friends and whatever. But because she was beating him up all the time, he was trying new things. And that was, and then to then, like, she was so wealthy. My God, she could have been happy after. She could have had another love that she loved and lived a better life in spite of it. But instead, she just got desperate. I think the book alluded to the fact that she was in relationship. Yes, she was. She was. She was. Imagine being in a relationship with somebody that's really pining and angry about someone else. And I've met people like that before. You're like, well, you're not really in love with me if you're still mad about that. Mm. It To me, I felt like, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, she just had that narcissistic trait of how dare you leave me? That's what? Like right, you right. leave me? And it was just, I think she couldn't fathom that somebody would reject her. She didn't know what the word no meant. Mm, And he was, he got to a point where all he said was no. And I don't think she handled it well. Even after he, she got out of the jail and when the paparazzi would go and they would ask her, why did you hire somebody? She would say things like, because I couldn't, I don't have a good shot. Like, really? Like, did he really give you that point where you to this day hate his guts? You know what I mean? To a point where your daughters don't even want to talk to you. Like, it's crazy to me. I always, I'm like, you have two children with him. That was also something that went through my mind is what did the daughters think she did it or did they think she was framed? And then how as a child do you move on? Because they were teens. How as a child do you move on with the living parent knowing that the living parent took the life of the other I don't parent? know. And they never cover that. No. They never cover that. Oh, I did a little digging. Oh, God. <laughs> Do tell, spill the tea. Let's go. What'd you find? And so when the daughters did initially go and visit her, and I think even her own mother went and visited her as well. But as the mother got older, she was, and she ended up getting out of jail. Yeah. But the mother was beginning to realize, I think right before she got out, that she was just, she hadn't learned her lesson. Like she spent money, like wasn't good with money. And her mother tried to set things in place to make it to where she wasn't just going overboard with all the spending. And then they kind of broke apart. And exactly. And she was upset with her mother. And then something happened with the daughters where I guess she, I don't know if she reached out to the courts, but even though she was convicted of killing her her ex-husband, he was still, his estate was still obligated to give her about, I think it was like 900 pounds or almost a million dollars a year or something. Wow. And her daughters were like, no, <laughs> oh. they went to court and they didn't want to do it. They were like, they didn't want to give her the money. Oh, wow. She ended up winning locally, I think in Milan, I think. Yeah. And I think they ended up appealing. And right now I think they're still, what? I don't know. I just, I haven't been able to find if they were able to, if they're either still in court at wow. a higher court or what happened, what have you. But I know that they're not speaking to her at all. They're both super rich. And they live in Switzerland, right? With their kids. They live in Switzerland. She had even wanted to, I think she had herself said, I would be willing to not get the money if you would allow me to like live in his one of his estates for a month and not, you know, be able to see my grandkids and stuff like that. So delusional, to be honest, I think she's actually yeah. mentally, like, <laughs> like, not where you say something when someone's a jerk, she's delusional. I think she actually is like, and the thing is her father, like going back to Nova said her father did all this stuff for her. And then yet she's in jail and still has people bringing her like filet mignon. So I know she had a ferret. Didn't she have like a ferret? She really always had this life that people did stuff that was above and beyond normal. Yeah. She had like a pet in jail. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, it wasn't normal, her life, but yeah, it was so when he got shot, like, cause you know, what happened, the very first scene in the book is he's shot, but we don't know who he is. 
And then at the right. end, you know, we learned that this is, we connect the dots. And it was just such a, a tragic thing. And, and Gucci really isn't owned by the family anymore. It, it, exactly no. what they were worried about happened. It's owned by mm-hmm. a conglomerate of different things. I mean, it's neat that it's still around. But yeah, it just, I didn't think about the whole family dynamic. I just wrote myself a note to have a really good conversation with. We've had conversations before, like, do you want to do this? Because sometimes you start something and you're doing it and you lose sight of, do I still want to do it? Yeah. And you have to, I think, annually just sit down and be like, it sucks to cancel a company, but also not keep it just because you've done it. You created it. Yeah. Yeah. I just think about that was where I wanted to on that one aspect where they should have had play to their strengths. Why would you leave something to Maurizio and him and not have at least said, look, I know you're a doctor, but you don't know anything about fashion or the business end of it. Like maybe you should go to school or you know what I mean? Like have a your cousin is is good at this work with him instead of suing him. And, you know, you know, what I mean, I just right. I just felt like you left this huge empire in the hands of someone who didn't know what he was doing. Yeah. So I think that that was where I felt like maybe if you're going to have that type of generational wealth and you're going to keep it in the family, you have to make sure that your family is good at certain things or in a certain. Yeah. But in the end, in the end, Maurizio wasn't willing to let go of it. Like everyone was saying, like, you can stay the, the captain of the ship, but you don't, you shouldn't run the daily operations. And at that point, he was so delusional, he didn't want to let it go. So it, it was like a completely big turnaround from not wanting to do the business at all to trying to prove a point. And I think right. in life, and I've done, I've done that, I'm going to prove a point. But why do we do that? Why do we have to prove a point? Mm, Sometimes just let it yeah, go, let it right. go and not prove the point. Because when it, he finally lost the business, and maybe unconsciously, that's what he needed to do to be free. Yeah. yeah. But like, instead of going through all that and losing a business, and then of course, now the business wasn't with the family anymore. Maybe we all need to sometimes say, like, are we doing this to prove a point, but mm. but losing the sight of being happy to prove the point? Like, it just, it's fatal. It's a, it was a fatal flaw. It was and fatal. You see it over and over. Yeah. You're right. It did show his happiness and his sense of peace when he lost the battle. He lost the company. But when that dust sort of settled, he seemed really happy, happier than he had ever been. Right. And... That is a good question. That revaluation, that self-reflection, you know, why are you doing what you're doing? And some of the family members said, nope, I'm not doing this. Ugo, which was the oldest son, not his birth son, Guccio's, his wife's son. He was like, nope, I'm out of here. And Rodolfo tried to, but when he lost his wife, he decided to join forces. And it was, I thought, a good thing. The three brothers worked extremely well together. They balanced each other out. Mm-hmm. And that's another thing to think about is life is really about balance. Patricia was out of balance. Maurizio was out of balance. Yeah. The relationship when that between the family members internally, when that was out of balance, things started falling apart. And I think that a big takeaway is making sure that way it be in your life or in business, that there is that balance, as you were mentioning in terms of the specific roles, you know, are you doing what's really suited to you? Right. You know what I'm saying? And when it's time to go, maybe it's time to go. And maybe you do have those hard decisions as a family and say, you know what, how do we, if, do we want to hold on to this or do we not? Because it was so sad that by the hand of one young man, that the entire family lost this dynasty that this brilliant Guccio put together where yes, there are billion dollar, multi-billion dollar company. Great. But how does the family, how does the Gucci family feel that they're not even a part of that? You know what I'm saying? It's kind of like, ah, I don't know. Yeah. And maybe they don't care. Who knows? Maybe they don't care. I don't know. But it's a fascinating tale of history, of love, of (laughs) drama. There was everything in this book. You're getting it all. There's really good lessons there of knowing when to let go of relationships. And I'm guilty of it. Just building people up and not, first of all, when someone makes a decision and you know, the decision's already made, don't then be a critic. (laughs) There you go. Right. Yeah. Don't do it. And so there's that lesson of, I love the idea of leaving someone touched, moving and inspires. If you're going to open your mouth, slow down for a split second and say, is this going to leave somebody bigger? If it's not, that, if it's not don't do it. Don't do it. Just and I think that I can do that better, and people in my life can do that better. I think we just need to 
not always have to be right or be a critic. And that's a lesson from there. If these people did those things in their relationships, then Gucci probably would still be with the family. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. That's right. I mean, it's a great book. I mean, it it's a great lesson in business. It's a lesson in in just in family dynamics, a lesson in relationship. There's just like you stated, there's just so much in this book that we can learn from and the readers can learn from. Yeah, life's you know? short. Life's short. Mm-hmm. What you want to do. Absolutely. I think it was inspiring and tragic <laughs> at the same time. And I love the points that you both made. And I do believe that our listeners should get the book. And I'm going to put this out there. And I usually don't talk about movies versus the book and what you should and should not do. But a lot of times our filmmakers don't get it right as it relates to translating a story on film. And when they do, it is amazing. And I feel that there's a lot of access to the movie now, The House of Gucci as a film, but it will be a disservice if you only saw the movie and did not read the book. Get the book, get the book, get the book. Let's mantra, get the book. Get, get the book, get the book. If you miss the get movie, the you're book. not missing anything. Get the book. The book is, and yeah. It's always a challenge to convert a movie. So if anything, just get the book. Yes. I mean, the book is so detailed. It just, I feel like movies focus on just one era where the book kind of starts from the beginning and then it works its way. It's a page turner. Like it's not a short book, but I was like, oh my God, this is so good. I would be like, in like grab 10 minutes and grab five minutes. And I, I brought it into the shower, which is crazy. <laughs> right. It's a great book, but yeah, also book. like, it's crazy that it's a true story. Like what the heck? So yeah, yeah. I know. <laughs> you can't make these, you don't make the, you can't make this up. Like, no. <laughs> and I think that maybe the moral of the story and the erosion of the whole thing is one of my favorite things is from the movie Bambi. When my girls were really little, we would watch Bambi. And then we, I would quote this all the time when, when Thumper's mom, he's being like a jerk and Thumper's mom says, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, Nova, you stated in the beginning that you felt sad at the end. Mm-hmm. And I agreed with you because for me, it was like Guccio had this vision. This is what I want for my family. He worked so hard mm-hmm. for his family. And then we talked about the whole situation because I initially felt some type of way with the daughter and then realized, no, he wanted to keep it in the family. So all of these things that were put in place to keep it in the family mm-hmm. only to have it no longer be in the family. Yes. But but at the very least, the Gucci name is still there. That's right. And the Gucci name is still tied to the family. True. That's right. So there is that. And, and there is, what? and there is still the quality. Like that it's was the quality the is still there. Yeah, yeah. He, he started something that's living well past him and his children and grandchildren. And yeah, it's like I said, it's a multi-billion-dollar business that still represents quality and heritage and employs a lot of people around the world. So right. he his that seed, that little store with his children working in that store, his vision, his uncompromising desire of style and of authenticity and uniqueness and quality that carried through to create something that is a legacy that represents that same thing for millions of people around the world. So at the very least, the family, unfortunately, is not benefiting from being internally controlling the business, but Mm -hmm. consumers are benefiting from this brilliant idea and vision that Gucci Gucci brought to the world. And kudos to Aldo, who is brilliant. This yes. charming visionary that never and ran a looker. Never <laughs> yeah, a looker, not like what they show in the movie. But according <laughs> to what's <laughs> what the family has shared about him and pictures and how he's described in the book, he definitely was a handsome, charming man. And kudos to him for his vision his relentless energy, his desire to continue to foster his father's vision as well and to keep Gucci alive and thriving. And so I think those two men, I remember them. They weren't perfect. Don't agree with everything they did and how they did it. But in terms of bringing this idea to life as an entrepreneur, as a creative entrepreneur, as a fashion designer, as someone who loves luxury and quality and legacy, 
this was a thrilling ride of a story. And yes. I am reading it again. <laughs> By the way, so to end it, we should just end my favorite quote of the whole thing that we carry forward when we buy something really expensive. Quality is remembered long after the price is forgotten. That's in relationships. Mm. That's in merchandise. Ooh, that's everything. in everything. Oh, I love that. Yes, that is a perfect way to end the podcast. Thank you so much, Toby and Barbara, for another amazing conversation. And I love the discussion. I know we didn't all see eye to eye and everything, but it was just great to hear our different perspectives. And I think we all ended up aligning (laughs) each of them anyway. (laughs) So that was a lot of fun and really excited about our next two books. We have Boundaries for Leaders. And that's by Henry Cloud. And we have The Joy Luck Club by Amy Tan. So really excited about these upcoming books. So our listeners, go get them and join us on another episode of Tuesday's Book Club, where we are bringing you transformational and sometimes controversial best-selling novels that will change your life. We are exclusively on the Pink Kangaroo Podcast Network, and that's Kangaroo with a U. And so if you're looking for other transformational shows, definitely check out the Pink Kangaroo Podcast Network. It was a pleasure. And until next time, I'm Nova. Bye, I'm Toby. And I'm Barbara. Ciao. Bye. Bye.